Best UFC fighter on the team? It'll be me. It'll be me. No question. <laughs> Are you going to have to fight Chandler for the top UFC fighter club? No, Chandler doesn't count. You know, I would never fight Chandler. He's uh, <laughs> He's got too much uh, too much fighting in his bloodline. I don't think it's a good idea. You know, I love Chandler too much, so he's a, he's a great dude, you know. But anybody else, you know, it's, it's a free game. The 4 o'clock football frenzy <laughs> on Cofield and Company. Company. Frenzy's here coming up in 15 minutes. Football Insider. Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk on a bunch of breaking news today. We're telling you earlier that J.C. Jackson, the uh, top-notch cornerback signed from the Patriots to the Chargers. That's the first game of the season for the Raiders in the regular season. Uh, Ankle surgery today, out two to four weeks. I don't know what that means for his status in the opener at SoFi against your Las Vegas Raiders. (laughs) Max Crosby on the way back. He was in a very jovial mood today. And someone posed the question to him about Dana White and the uh, Tom Brady story, which ties to the Raiders, obviously. Dana White was trying to have uh, put together a deal with Brady and Gronk, and then the claim was that Gruden blew it all up. So someone ran that question by Max Crosby saying, hey, did you watch USC? What do you think of Dana White's story? He said, no comment. So it immediately pivoted to who's the best UFC fighter on the team, best MMA fighter on the Raiders. He said it was him. Adam Hill followed up a few questions later, as you heard. What about Chandler Jones? If people don't know, Chandler Jones is the brother of all-time great UFC fighter John Jones. So Max Crosby quickly changed his tune and said, uh, yeah, it's in the blood. So I don't think I'll be fighting against Chandler because, well, 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 I love the guy. He's my buddy, too. Which I found interesting because he, he was very confident when he said. You forgot. Right. You know, no, <laughs> yeah. he cut he cut cut Adam off. No, it's it's it's, it's, it's me. I mean, <laughs> no, your answer should have been after Chandler. It's me because you can't come back and then go. Oh no no no, he doesn't count. Yes he does. He's on the roster. He counts. So are you better or are you not? He's not. He admitted that. Yep. <laughs> Interesting look at the depth chart yesterday. UNLV football came out with their depth chart. It's depth chart. Rebels play. On Saturday at the Owl, 12-30 game against Idaho State. There's been a question about who's going to play quarterback. It's been an interesting follow. This is a good problem to have when you're coming off a two-win season, right? Cam Friel, the Mountain West Conference Offensive Freshman of the Year a year ago, got a handful of starts. He was a starter. Uh, Doug Brumfield just couldn't stay healthy. And then Doug had a weird offseason where he, for a week, Brumfield was in the transfer portal. Then they added Harrison Bailey, an SEC player, was at Tennessee to the mix. So there's been all the speculation that Bailey would walk in and he'd have the job week one. But right now, we don't know who has the job. We do know this, that um, well, I can't say with certainty. I thought all along, I thought Friel started as the one at the beginning of camp. Brumfield was two. Bailey was three. Now it's a Brumfield or Harrison Bailey situation at the top and Friel is now number three. So you can see how close these guys are and that the 17 practices plus that they had made a difference. Bailey's getting up to speed. I still believe Brumfield's going to start on Saturday, but Bailey's closer to him than Friel is. What are you seeing in terms of the fluidity, in terms of the chemistry, when 
Brumfield can just – he's dropping back, and he doesn't re- – like you have to make your reads, but he's more so just dropping back. We actually asked this with Derek Carr about. He mentioned back at I think OTAs where he could just he knew back in college he could just fire it up to Devontae because he knew where he was going to be. Like, are you starting to see that natural feel with Brumfield where he's back in his flow? There's fluidity with him and his targets, and he could just fire where they're supposed to be and trust they're there. I'm not sure it's there yet because they have a lot of new receivers, ah. so he had a, he has an advantage in knowing the playbook. Right, because he's been here, and Bailey doesn't have that advantage. But you have to remember that they flipped, you know, three or four new receivers into the rotation, so they're all on the same, you know, starting block when it comes to developing chemistry with Seneca McKee and uh, Nick Williams, a big six-four receiver, made his way into the mix, and Ricky White, the kid from Michigan State, and the JUCO Jeff Weimer. Uh, just from what I've seen, I see Brumfield. Rolling with the ones more often. Um, I think he has the most versatile game because he can move. And he's a, he's an elite runner. Now he's got to stay healthy. And I'll just tell you, Freel, I think, and we talked about this on our podcast. Caleb Herring and I are doing a podcast, UNLV All Access podcast. that drops every Thursday morning. Yeah. That I remember Freel didn't play in the spring game. And he may have fallen behind a little bit then. He didn't throw a whole lot. And I think he's been laboring with something. He's been less accurate this year in practice than I remember him being last year. So I don't, I don't think, I think of the three guys physically, he was at a little bit of a disadvantage because he's been fighting some nagging stuff. You don't think it's mental in the fact no. that they brought Bailey in? No, no. I mean, I, that's that's a whole conversation for Brumfield because I. It was funny as I was watching today. I'm like, okay, I think Brumfield's starting. And I'm like, this is a nice comeback from going into the portal. For a week, and I was trying to—I was trying to think like, did Brumfield just react to the fact that Bailey was in, right? Yeah. And looked at it, and he's like, "Ah, he's—you know—he's making a lot of headway behind the scenes. You know, maybe this place isn't for me." Do you think that um, it's—it's the safer route for Marcus Royal to go with Brumfield first, knowing that he has a guy that he brought in from a Power Five school to sort of be? The backup, even though you you legitimately have two starters who could come in, you have a guy that can come into the Mountain West and play. Because if you do it the other way, you've deflated Brumfield's ego immediately, where this way he knows what he's got waiting in the wings. I think that's part of the rationale. I don't think it's all of it, but I think that's part of the rationale. Now, that, that all said, Willie, 11 o'clock on Saturday morning when the starter is tweeted out as it's given to someone, um, it could be Harrison Bailey. Like, it happened last year. Justin Rogers was a starter. I thought Doug Brumfield was. When I watched him practice, I thought Brumfield had like an 80-20 advantage over Rogers, and Rogers wound up starting. But they're going to keep it really close to the vest for a game plan thing. They're not going to reveal it because defending Bailey, defending Friel is a lot different than defending Brumfield. Last practice game here, preseason game, no Mullins. He got traded to the Vikings. So do we see all Garbers? Any Stiddy? What do you think? Um, I think you're going to see Stiddy, as you call him. Um, I think we're going to see him for a quarter and then Garbers the rest of the way. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. 
I don't think Kenny Pickett looks like a world beater in practice. Like if you ask the players in the locker room, I think that they would probably tell you like Mitch has had a really good camp and Mitch has looked good in practice. I think that makes Mitch Trubisky a little bit more sellable to a locker room that's full of guys like TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick, like guys who are only concerned about winning right now. Cofield and Company NFL Insider Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk joins us now. Miles is up on this Tuesday. What's up, buddy? We're good. We want to talk Kenny Pickett and Trubisky and the Steelers because I'm very interested in this team and who they're going to start at quarterback. But first, can I have you listen? So we just heard Albert Breer who's like, hey, Pickett's not going to be the guy because he's a hard sell to the locker room. That was yesterday on Colin Cowherd's show. This is Adam Schefter today on TV backing Pickett. The feeling around the league has been that Mitchell Trubisky was in line to be the opening day starter, the Mm -hmm. favorite to be that guy. And when you talk to people now, Here's what you keep hearing, that the young kid is, quote-unquote, coming on, and he's coming quick. And so I don't know when they're going to get to Kenny Pickett, but they're going to get to Kenny Pickett at some point in the season. I think, essentially, as soon as Mitchell Trubisky has a stumble early in the season, that'll open the door to get to Kenny Pickett. All right, what the hell's going on here, Miles? Is Pickett way out of the mix, or is he right there? Here's what I would say, and I I say this as somebody who, you know, works for a website that is kind of an aggregator, right? Okay. So when you look at uh, Kenny Pickett and you look at the Steelers and you look at what they try to do just generally, like they are probably going to play Mitchell Trubisky because you would think that, I don't know, Mike Tomlin doesn't want to lose games, right? He's not going to put a rookie in position where he's not going to succeed. I think that's one thing. And so also you look at Adam Schefter versus Albert Breer. What's Albert Breer been doing? He's been going to camps. What's Adam Schefter been doing? He's been sitting and doing his job, which is to be on his phone all the time. And I don't say this, like, I know it sounds pejorative, but I don't really mean this in a pejorative way. Like, Albert Breer's job is to go and actually see this stuff and actually talk to people who are there. Adam Schefter's job is to be on his phone. So when I hear Albert Breer say something and it contradicts kind of what Adam Schefter is saying, I have a tendency to go with what Breer is saying, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I'm excited to see how it plays out. <laughs> I'll tell you that. And, then uh, you know, for us here in Vegas and the rest of the country that likes to bet, um, you know, I, to me it changes – sort of the outlook for the team. If Pickett's starting early and you're going to go with the growing pains. I know when I ran it across Adam Hill yesterday, Adam was like, if Pickett starts from the get-go, fade them big time. Fade the Steelers big time. Absolutely. Absolutely fade them big time. But, like, I don't necessarily see them doing that. And I think the other thing is, like, okay, what conclusions are we drawing from preseason games versus practice? And I know that Mike Tomlin has said that, oh, preseason games are a big part of the evaluation because lights are on and it's this and it's that. And I I believe him when he says that. But I also know that what they see within the building in the classroom and how uh, Mitchell Trubisky versus Kenny Pickett are retaining the information of the offense, like all of those things go into it too. So I'm not, I'm not really here for like basing evaluation of things on preseason games. I, cause a, I don't like, they don't matter. I mean, they kind of matter, but they really don't. The games don't count. And I'm sick of hearing about the Ravens and their stupid win streak. Can somebody please yep. beat them already? So we have to, can we can quit hearing about that crap? Well, you know, and I remember you saying that last week, and you know we're all in that camp that hey, you got to temper your reaction to what you see because it's a lot of twos and threes out there. And then 
I see a former NFL player who was in this realm. He should know. RG3 tweets out, Kenny Pickett is ready to play now. He's, he keeps winning over his teammates with his production and competitiveness. Meanwhile, two minutes ago, we just played Albert Breer saying, hard sell to the locker room. RG3, you're a former player. You're not the average fan. What's again, going on? Again, again, I would say, has Robert Griffin been in the locker room? <laughs> yes. I don't think so. There you go. Has Albert Breer been to Sealers camp? Yes. So what, like that... Yeah, I think honestly, God, it's that simple. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's just that simple when you're talking about like, okay, what are the talking heads? And I am one of them, right? Like, who are you know actually at practice with the beat writers versus who are the people who are sitting at home, right? Like that, I'm I'm one of those people. So like, I guess it takes one to know one. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Looking in from the outside is not always the the best angle. Willie, I know you want yeah. to get to Kenyon Drake. Uh, your buddies with him. You were you were a little bit surprised that he he got released. So well, fire away I, I, on this I one. think I think it's I think it's cut and dry that we we know that the deal that was cut. I mean, the Raiders are now going to pay for it, and I know Miles agrees with that. That the eleven million dollars guaranteed it was sort of ridiculous. My question is, I'd like to know from Miles after he voices his opinion on the entire Drake arrival and dismissal. Where is he going to end up? Uh, I'll answer the second question first and just say I have no idea because it, it's hard to say, especially with rosters, you know, going down from uh, 85 to 80 today and then next week they'll go down to 53. Like, you don't necessarily know where there's going to be a real opening. So, I mean, he obviously can do things out of the backfield. You don't know like, exactly what he's going to look like coming off the broken ankle. Um, but, I mean, it's not like he wasn't out there uh, in those preseason games for the Raiders. So, I mean, he could end up in any number of different places. I, where that is, I, I don't know. I mean, he could go back to uh, Arizona for all we know. I mean, they seem to really like him there. Um, but I, I would say that this is the product of having a different regime. Right. When you have somebody whose contract looks a little bit weird, which it always did, especially when, you know, the Raiders had Josh Jacobs as their bell cow back. Why are you paying another running back eleven million dollars guaranteed? And again, this is the previous regime of Gruden and Mayock that decided to do this. But it always was like, why? Well, how much sense does this make? It doesn't seem to make any sense. And so then you get the new regime come in this year. Um, with uh, Ziegler and McDaniels, and they are probably looking at it in the same way that the rest of us were looking at it, as in, like, this doesn't really make any sense, and why are we paying this guy this much money? I guess we got to pay him this much money anyway because the last regime said we had to, so let's just cut our losses and move on and figure out what we really want to do at the running back position because it ain't this. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk. What do you got uh, coming up now that we're full bore here on football? What's coming up on Peacock? Uh, well, tomorrow I will be on uh, PFT Live in yeah. the morning. So, yeah, it is an early wake-up call. What time? Calling in for Chris Sims. Uh, I, the show starts at 4 a.m. Pacific time. I'll be on, on I'll, yeah. I will. I'll be on it. Oh, You'll perfect. be on the show or watching it? No, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be watching it. Will you be yeah. on a treadmill or lifting at that time? I'll be on the laptop. You'll be on the laptop. Ooh. Okay. Yep. Trying to find out more yeah. about your life. Trying to go 3D, Willie. Don't be all resistant yeah. to letting us in. We know Seriously. you don't like to talk about yourself, you know. All shy. It's okay. All shy. It's, it is okay. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather tune into my guy Miles than uh, Keyshawn and them boys. 
Have you guys, Miles Simmons is with us, Pro Football Talk. Have you guys broken down this scenario that maybe Brian Dable is a uh, quarterback offense whisperer and that he could possibly do with Danny Dimes what he did with Josh Allen? Um, that's a bit, it's come up. I, I don't necessarily know if I believe that that's something that's realistic. Okay. You know, I, I've seen the thing floating around on Twitter that I guess they had it in a Giants, in the Giants game, they had a graphic that's yeah. like, showing how similar the stats are between Josh Allen and Daniel Jones in the first three years. But what I would say is like, who passes the eye test? And sometimes it's kind of that simple, right? Like if the player doesn't look like they're going to pass that eye test, then, you know, I like Daniel Jones doesn't look like he's going to take that, you know, ascending step into being in Josh Allen territory. Although having said that a few, a couple of years ago, it didn't look like Josh Allen would be able to all of a sudden become like, Yes. so much more accurate yes. with his passes. Yes. However, exactly. Daniel Jones doesn't like... Uh, look, here's the problem I have with Daniel Jones, and this is a little unfair <laughs> because I don't know him and I've never met the kid. I, like, I just am going off what I see. And whenever I hear Daniel Jones talk, I think, how in the world is that guy going to inspire the locker room? Yeah. And like, that's like I said, it's not fair because I don't know him. And like, he could be a fantastic leader. I, I really don't know. But when I look at quarterbacks around the league, and I know Justin Herbert took some criticism for this, and Tua Tungabailoa has as well, where it's like, oh, those guys, you know, how are they really going to lead? What's their leadership style? I, Jared Goff had the same criticism, and I've worked with him for years with the Los Angeles Rams. But I, when I see those guys talk, I'm like, no, no, no. I understand how they can inspire confidence in the locker room. I watch Daniel Jones press conferences. I watch his interviews. I'm like, I don't see it, man. I just, I don't see it. And like I said, it's unfair because I don't know him and I don't know anything about like what he's like in the locker room, but it just, it's hard for me to believe that he's going to take that step and become like a franchise quarterback that we haven't seen him be in the first three years. Do you see all of it with Lamar Jackson to the point where the Ravens should pony up over $200 million guaranteed on an extension? Well, look, Lamar Jackson has MVP award, and those guys down in Baltimore absolutely believe in him, and there's no question about that. There's no question about how the coaching staff believes in him, and frankly, I don't think there's any question about how much the organization believes in him as a player. They've wanted to get something done with him for a long time, but because he represents himself, they haven't really been able to do it. I mean, it was hard to engage with him. That's been the reporting out of Baltimore. That's been something that we reported at PFT uh, until basically now. And so will he get a deal done before the regular season? I don't know. I'd like to think that he will, if for no other reason, because I want to see players get paid and I want to see Lamar Jackson get that nine-figure guarantee that he has earned and that he really should have gotten last offseason after Josh Allen, who does not have an MVP award, was got or got like, what, $150 million, $160 million guaranteed in his contract? Then Lamar Jackson should have been able to get that from the Baltimore Ravens, but it didn't work out last year they didn't do it last year now i just i don't want him to go into this season playing on a contract that is about to expire i you can bet on yourself sure but look he didn't play all that well toward the end of last season before he got hurt right and then he got hurt so if you get hurt and your career is jeopardized by that you're not going to get your nine-figure guarantee please lamar jackson get your nine-figure guarantee man do it Talking to Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. Uh, Miles, 
quote, a lot of drops, a lot of bad res- a lot of bad route decisions, running the wrong route. We've got to get better in that area. Boy, Aaron Rodgers sounds salty. He misses Devontae Adams. Of course he misses Devontae Adams. I mean, uh, didn't you guys hear what he was doing today to those <laughs> Patriots cornerbacks there in Henderson? My gosh. Yeah, of course he wants Devontae Adams back. Look, I don't. I'll put it this way. I have consistently said throughout the offseason that I have more faith in the Chiefs to replace Tyreek Hill than I do the Packers to replace Devontae Adams because, A, Andy Reid has a longer track record of success in this league than Matt LaFleur. And, you know, I like Matt LaFleur as much as anybody. That's a guy I know. I've worked with him. But at the same time, like, you're going into this season, if you're the Packers, with a lot of inexperience and otherwise you've got guys like Sammy Watkins who is always hurt you know Randall Cobb is on the other side of 30 you know Lazard is shown that he's good but he's not displayed that um, ability to be the number one wide receiver because he hasn't had to because Devonte Adams has been there so I think yeah there's a lot of question marks and what LaFleur said about those comments that Rodgers had, had put out there is that look he appreciates the urgency that Aaron Rodgers has in order to make sure that these guys are getting better and yeah they have to do that but at the same time you know when you're Christian Watson and you're uh, Romeo Dubs Dobbs. I dubs, always mispronounce Dubs. 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 Oh, I'm so sorry. I always mispronounce that's Steve's that boy. That's my, that's my guy from Nevada. Right. That's my guy. Well, uh, when now I'll never forget it. Um, <laughs> but when like he's got when those guys are going to be relied upon, like yeah, you you need to have the urgency of you can't bleep up this route, you can't drop the pass because if you're not, I don't trust you, and if I don't trust you, you're not going to be on the field. And if you're not on the field, then we're going to have problems. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's interesting what's going to happen. There. Miles Simmons with us. Uh, you're probably the only one who tweeted this. Can't guarantee that. But uh, you threw out, hey, Sam Darnold, would someone trade for him as a backup? I was looking at good teams and their quarterback situation. I would think a match made in heaven, especially since, uh, boy, Darnold could use a quarterback guru, would be the Rams behind the uh, oh. the elbow of – Matt Stafford and I don't trust the Wolf. Matthew Stafford. I, I don't. I don't trust the Wolfman as the backup. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. Uh, I mean, like I know he started that game against the Cardinals a couple years ago and they won it. Um, but yeah, with Matthew Stafford's elbow, I mean, I, I, I think I said this on the show, not this show, uh, PFT Live, a week or two ago. But with Jimmy Garoppolo also potentially being available, like the Rams are also a potential landing spot for him because that offense is so similar. And just in case something bad happens with Matthew Stafford, Jimmy G is right there. But actually, I think that that is a good option for Darnold if it so happens that he becomes readily available. The Rams aren't going to pay like any kind of top dollar for him, nor should they. Um, but if you can get him for a low round pick and you know uh, Carolina's picking up most of the tab, let's call it three quarters of the tab at least um, for Sam Darnold, who's scheduled to make I think $18.8 million this year uh, under that fifth year option, then yeah, that actually would be a really good option for him. Frankly, that's a place that Sam Darnold should be looking to go to anyway next year 
you know, when he is a free agent and, you know, kind of like uh, Blake Bortles did in 2019, where he goes to Los Angeles and he sort of gets that rehab treatment. You know, you never know what can happen after that um, once you're with Sean McVay. But, and also Darnold, of course, played at USC. So that'd be a really good match for him in that way as well. My favorite. I was story- actually in a bar with Sam oh. Darnold, I heard uh, earlier this offseason. Okay. He was out here. All right. Yeah. All so, right. That, but that says more about him than it does about me because yeah. he shouldn't, he and I should not be frequenting the same establishments. You know, he's in a different tax bracket. My favorite story of the day because of the possibilities, and I'm fascinated to follow this one. Uh, you're in Southern California. So the Angels, they're there. They don't operate, unfortunately, with the success of the Dodgers. There's so, a major wow. league franchise. Uh, Artie Moreno is going to look to put the team up for sale. There's a major league franchise available in Southern California. They say the Angels are worth $2.2 billion. I think it's going to go for more. Um, you tell me the best choice. There's a local tie here. Best choice to buy the Angels. Bill Foley, the owner of the Golden Knights. I know you're not that familiar with them. Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders. The oh. Fertitta brothers, the owner of uh, lots of stuff in Vegas. Or my wish is... The Saudis and live by the <laughs> Angels and propose they buy them for $2.2 billion. We'll give you three bill. And you know what? We're announcing right now what do the Dodgers have for a payroll? 270 Our Angels payroll is $800 million. <laughs> Let's go. What you, I mean, basically. Like, once they were in, I don't know what baseball could do to stop them. Obviously, there's a, a PR thing to overcome here, but I would love the Saudis to make an offer. I think it would be an offer that MLB has to refuse, (laughs) but that would be certainly interesting, right? Uh, Yeah, uh, I I think the Angels will probably go for like four billion. They should. They're in Southern California, as you said. Like that means, you know. And I know that it's baseball, but they have they have a market where you know they are now called the Los Angeles Angels and not just the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim or the Anaheim Angels or whatever. So if you can tap into that, then they should be worth a lot of money and you know i mean if anybody really really wants to own a baseball team and especially one in southern california where you can attract free agents Mm -hmm. um and you know you should be able to develop people and you still have mike trout for however long the or else the duration of that long ass contract that he signed is like there's plenty of reasons to feel good about the angels they just haven't won anything since what like 2002 when they went to the world series I'm a little disappointed that Steve left a wild card out there because I would have thrown the Maloofs in there. But, uh, Miles, let me ask you this. Uh, is there any team going into training camp that you, meh, meh, but you've been surprised by and maybe has opened your eyes at this point? Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, uh, in a bad way, the Falcons, uh, because, like, I, I just – I'm looking at them, and I know that they're, what, a betting favorite, one of them probably to have the worst record in the league. But, you know, last year they were okay. Like, they were the best bad team. But, you know, as we go through it, I keep thinking, man, I think that had more to do with Matt Ryan than anything else. And a good franchise quarterback can elevate you to places that you obviously would not be otherwise, i.e. Tom Brady in 2020 when he went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, so that's definitely one team where I'm like, golly, man, like they may really, really be bad. Um, the Dolphins might be pretty okay. Uh, the Patriots might be worse than we think because, look, the, this whole experiment with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia 
as offensive coordinator or whatever the hell Bill Belichick doesn't want to call them and like he doesn't like titles and the obvi- obviously the buck stops with him or whatever else he's said lately like this just looks like it's heading to be a disaster I mean the reports out of uh, Henderson today were so bad for the <laughs> Patriots and it just is like man I don't know what they're gonna do and I think people might be a little bit apoplectic if like this thing really goes off the rails um, so we'll see what happens there but yeah I don't know if there's a team where I'm like, oh, yeah, they actually might be good. But there are teams where I've been like, they might be actually really bad. Miles, you're the man. Apoplectic to close things out. That was beautiful. Yeah, well, I try. You know, i got to get into those Ivy League words sometimes. <laughs> Thanks, Miles. <laughs> All right, take care, guys. There he is, Miles Simmons, at Miles A. Simmons up on Twitter. Check it out, Pro Football Talk. He's got his own section and basically covering the Western region. The guy's writing from like 4 in the morning until uh, 8 at night and probably even longer than that. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I'm going to live till I die. I'm going to laugh. Boy, Patriots, we're hearing look deflated at times today in that joint practice. We'll get back to Raiders, Patriots, Joint practice. You look deflated. I gave you a look. I gave you a look. We were trying to get out to get to I'm a break, and, and then you got I to was, break, and you're like, "Was I not allowed to ask a question?" I'm like, "No, you were. You were." I've been, I've been, I've been reprimanded. I'm well, it's done. been a long day too. I'm done for the end of the been, day. No, I mean, no, you no. Drained Come my on, energy. pick it up. No, brush yourself off. Come on, you can do it, man. There's rebranding of things, and I'm not That's happy. Not us. It's I'm just not Come happy on. with it. Sorry, I'm Jamal Williams there. <laughs> I don't know if I can watch any more crying tonight on Hard Knocks. I'm just going to say that. I still no more crying. It. I'm saving them. Dial down the speeches. I haven't watched it. Not yet. Okay. Well, Jamal Williams, one of the running backs, made a very impassioned speech where people are I, like, I want to ask you this, though, about that before I tune in, because I'm listening to you and Adam break it down. How much do you feel this year, after years and years and years, right? They're into the teen years of this show. Um, are they, do they, I mean, they, they know the cameras are there. How much are playing up to it? Uh, but they roll on so much stuff. Yeah, I don't think you can be playing up to it all the time. Wouldn't you forget? Yeah, at some point. If they're following you around, if they've got cameras everywhere in the facility and the practice field, I think you forget. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Maybe hand it up. Maybe maybe Campbell's handing it up. I don't know. I like Campbell. I've been liking Campbell. Not from the show. I mean, I've been like, you know, I think he's a good coach. So Tom Brady's back, we think. Mm-hmm. So that's something to start betting on. Or do we fade Tom Brady? We just talked about Aaron Rodgers. Him getting on his young receivers. There's a lot of people out there who are like, hey, they don't have a one or a two. They've got a bunch of three or fours. So these are two of the stud teams at the top of the NFC title race. On the way back, Sam Peniatovich will tell us, what do we do with the Packers and the Buccaneers? Fade, follow, get aggressive, back off. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. All right, let's do it. Sam Penny Odvich is in from Nesson from Fox Sports. Sam, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Start the clocks for Vegas, my friend. Oh, boy. I just tweeted out the news that you are coming to town. Uh, we are expected to show up on Friday night. We'll see who shows up. Okay, well, hopefully Willie shows up in his suit he had on the other night. Which one? 
Dude, the, the buttercream one. You know exactly which one I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Well, 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 well Beautiful. game one of the of, – it was a gold zoot suit, and then the, the game two was the three-piece – or no, actually, I didn't wear the vest that night. But, you know, speaking of Nesson um, – Ran into a few of your folks to earlier today. I'll just oh, boy. Just yeah, we got that coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. It's we'll been some uh, lack of decorum from the uh, New England media people in town with the Patriots joint practice against our Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to go in a different direction because this is actually very nice before we get to all the uh, chop busting. Um, are you guys working with the Jimmy Fund this week with Nesson? Yeah, it's awesome. This is the 20th anniversary, of course. A great cause. We're trying to strike out cancer and you know, every donation counts, you know, that we've been talking to all these kids all day and the families, how they've been affected. And it's just been such a strong effort to raise money for such a deadly disease and something that, you know, continues to just ruin families by the day. And that's very important to the cause. And, you know, Jimmy Fallon's been around a lot longer than that. It's been uh, a thing since the late 1940s. But, yeah, Nesson's done a telethon every year for 20 years, and it's been been really awesome to see how much money they, they raised 3.8 million last year for cancer research wow. and uh ho- hoping to top that i took the over not that i can bet on that but i would take the over sam penny out of it's up on cofield and company so before we get into uh fade follow get aggressive on some nfl plays with some news out there uh, i wanted to mention the uh, recent tweet from our buddy todd dewey at the paper talking about the overlays at circa and westgate and william hill do you look at this as a marketing tool, or are some of these guys really in the soup on their contest? Well, I mean, the, the circus stuff is legit. I mean, you know, I was talking with some of their team the other day, and, and they've got $12 million guaranteed. Like, that's not a joke. And, and that's pretty much money that they're going to pay no matter what. So if only, you know, 1,500 or 2,000 people sign up for this contest and they don't meet the limits to get to the, the full pot, it just means, like, more money for all the prizes. So, yeah, I mean, that's right now, that's probably the best deal going around, um, given the overlays at Circa because of all the guaranteed money. But I'm, I'm when I come in this weekend, I'm signing up for the Survivor at Circa. I'm going to do the Super Contest at the Westgate, and I'm hoping to do the uh, Tony Miller Golden Nugget Football Challenge where you can pick pro and college because, you know, all those contests are different. I don't want to do the same contest. I don't want to do the million and the super contest because that's the same thing. Pick five teams against the spread. I like the variety. I like the, you know, pick one team until you don't, until you until you phase out or whatever right. in the survivor. I like the five against the spread NFL. And then, you know, in Tony's contest, you can do both. You can do college and pro. So I like the variety there. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that overlay situation at Circa is just crazy. I mean, to guarantee $12 million and only have, you know, not even half that at this point is uh, is a good opportunity for the players. Let's talk Tom Brady. He's back. Do we have some props out there that we want to gr- get aggressive on? You're going to play against the Bucks. What do you do? Oh, well, I, I only made one Brady bet, and I went under 13 and a half interceptions this season. Now that makes me a little nervous to see the news about the offensive line because if he doesn't get the protection that he's gotten in the last two years in Tampa, um, he doesn't have as much time to throw. So, but but he's always been an accurate guy, you know, going back the last handful of years. So I, I do like that prop. Um, it's funny somebody asked me this morning at work, like, "Hey, well, Brady's back. How did the odds change?" I'm like, "They didn't really change at all." You know, bookmakers weren't really phased by this 11 day, you know, wherever the hell he went. And did he do the mass singer? Did he go to the Bahamas? I don't know. I don't really care. But the books are like, "Look, as long as he's going to be there week one." 
he's going to come to compete. He's going to mean business. So, you know, you could find the Bucks right now 7-1 to in Vegas. You can also find them 11-1 to in Vegas. Always shop around for the best number. The 100 makes you 7 here and 11 there. Um, but, yeah, nobody, like no sports book needs Tom Brady overs to hit, whether it be passing yards or passing touchdowns. They don't need him to win MVP. Um, you know, the books are still rooting against Brady, Steve, and they've rooted against him for, uh, you know, part of two decades now. They, they don't want him to win the Super Bowl. I wrote a story today on Nesson, Allen Berg over at the WinBet. He said that that's their biggest liability. Like, if, if Tampa wins the Super Bowl, they're going to lose the most money on that. So that's just that's the way it goes. As long as he's lacing them up, the books are going to be rooting against Tom Brady, not only week to week, not only props, but to win the whole thing. Sammy, I asked uh, Miles Simmons this, if there's any teams that he has changed direction with in terms of how training camp has gone, preseason games. When it comes to season win totals, have you changed directions? Is there any team that's opened your eyes or you got, oh, yikes, I better hedge? Or what, what has changed, if anything, with any team thus far? I like Minnesota more than I did going into training camp. That's a team that could be one of the most explosive offenses in football. And I wouldn't be surprised if Kirk Cousins threw for about 5,000 yards and had you know, 35, 40 touchdowns this year. Um, to hear Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen talk at Vikings camp about they've never been this wide open in their careers, <laughs> that's pretty telling. Um, you know, Justin Jefferson last year was complaining he didn't get the football enough, and that's a guy who was top five in almost every receiver category in the NFL. Um, remember, Kevin O'Connell, who was the Rams OC and designed a lot of plays and schemes in L.A., he's the head coach now. So you're going to see pace, space, skill, speed. That's something Minnesota hasn't done. Uh, under Mike Zimmer, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. Like, Cousins is going to throw more and throw to guys who are more open. And that, that tells me that that team, you know, could win 10, 11 games, potentially be a 2-3 seed in the NFC, which is pretty wide open. You know, that's a team 40-1 to Super Bowl, 20-1 to NFC. I, I think this NFC conference, man, I, there's no doubt in my mind Minnesota has the talent on offense to make a run for the NFC championship. Can they win the Super Bowl? That's a different story, but... Can they get to the final four? Can I make an NFC bet at 20-1 to 1 at FanDuel? Yeah, I, I think I can, and I think I will. I like them more. And, Willie, you know I'm nervous as hell on the Giants, man. Like, I've got them over mm-hmm. seven. I've watched them. I've, I've seen Daniel Jones. I watched Thibodeau get cut block and almost blow his knee out. Mm. That, that, that team, they, they might win five games. I'm bullish on them, but I feel better about Minnesota. I feel worse about New York. I'm not going to change direction, per se, but I'm definitely higher on the Vikings and lower on the Giants. So we're fading the Packers at 11, and we're taking the Vikings plus 240 to win the division? I don't know that I really want to fade the Packers. I mean, look at the uh, win-loss record under Matt LaFleur. Since he's been there, they've gone over the win total every single season. What I would tell you about Green Bay is I believe, truly believe, that that's a team that they might slip on the banana peel early. They might start 0-1. They might be 1-2 after three games. Remember, they get Minnesota and Tampa on the road in the first three games. So... Green Bay to win the Super Bowl now is like a 12-to-1 shot. Some books have 10. There are some 12s. If they start 1-2, and two, you know that every doofus like Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless come out and say, <laughs> oh, Aaron Rodgers is washed. <laughs> He's never going to win another one. And then their odds are going to go to 16-18-1. And at that point, I would buy Green Bay. I feel like that's a team that's better December-January than they are September and October. So, sure, you can short them, but... I worry about them going 10-7, and 7, getting a wild card, 
and getting hot at the right time when Rodgers gets on the same page with all these new receivers. Sam Paniotovich, Nesson, Fox Sports. He's up with Cofield and Companies or Tuesday. Sports Gambling Insider. Ah. Uh. What a feeling. What a feeling. Week zero, it's here. We start at freaking 9 o'clock in the morning with a game in Dublin. And then we end late night for you guys, 10 o'clock Eastern, as uh, we've got, check that, actually 10.30 Eastern, I want to be correct, uh, Hawaii and Vandy. And I know, I know you love the Hawaii games. It's a little early for a Hawaii game, to be honest with you. I have so many stories over the years, whether I was running envelopes or helping guys place bets. The amount of people that had no interest in the Hawaii game at 6 o'clock Chicago time when I'm in my early 20s and late 20s, it, it almost it, it almost triples after a night out on a Saturday. You know, guys aren't even looking at that game when you go off for drinks. And then all of a sudden, it's, you know, 10 o'clock. Oh, man, love Hawaii in the over. You know, for years with, with Timmy Chang and Colt Brennan, mm. and even the years that June Jones was there, they used to tax those lines. Like, if Hawaii was an eight-point favorite, they'd make the game 10. Yep. If Hawaii should have been 12, they'd make it 14 because they were always bracing for that expected chase. And that was when Hawaii was good. Now, Hawaii is nowhere near as good as they used to be. It's actually going the other way. People are going against Hawaii. That game opened, Steve, it opened, Vandy, was it Vandy minus two and a half against Hawaii? And now it's... Seven, seven and a half, eight. Uh, that might be a Saturday night. I'll be in Vegas. I might wait. Like, I dare you to give me 10 on that game. I will take 10 with Hawaii on Saturday night. I'll plug and play it, man. No doubt about it. There's no way I'm laying 10 points with a team going across the continental United States. Yep. yep. 10 points. No shot. I will not give you 10 because all of my money for the football season has actually gone to the NBA when I got the Nets at 30-1. to 1. KD's back! I knew it! Be patient! He'd break! It's great. Did you, did you actually bet that? No, but you didn't have to uh, you know, take the, the story away from me. That was great delivery. Well, usually when you scream, you're lying. I've learned that about yeah, you. So right, you got right, to right. cut back on the yelling. Otherwise, I would have just believed you. Here's the other thing. You know, I remember Jeff Sherman at the Westgate. They knocked it. You said 30-1. to 1. That was the high across the American markets, like state-to-state. State. Yeah. But Jeff Sherman, once Kevin Durant requested a trade, he moved the Nets to 50-1. to 1 yeah. And then obviously took a pop there, took maybe a dime or something, and then lowered it back down. What a fascinating story. Trade me. No. Fire the coach. No. Fire the GM. <laughs> no. I'm going to retire. No, you're not. No, you're not. Come on. Yesterday. story. Yesterday we're breaking down deals with uh, you know, our NBA guy, John Von Tobel, and I'm like, wait a second. Now we're getting the Grizz want in on Kevin Durant, but you can't have Jaron Jackson. You can't have Desmond Bain. It's just a bunch of picks. Like At some point the Nets are like, no, we're not doing this. No. The asking price, from what I've been told, is way too high. Like right. the, the Nets wanted from Boston, they wanted Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and Robert Williams and a couple ones. You're not trading for that at this point in time. Guys, Kevin Durant's going to be 35 years old soon. Yep. And he's missed some serious time the last handful of years. I think Durant certainly, with this power trip, uh, power trip, excuse me, he underestimated how much staying power he has in this league. Is he one of the top five players in the league? Yes. Is he a top five player in two, three years? I don't think. A lot of miles on that kid's legs. Remember, he comes out of Texas after, I believe, one year. 
So he's in the NBA at 19. Oh, oh, there are a lot of hard miles on those knees, on those legs. And I don't have to tell you, guys are on seven foot. They don't play forever, man. Their bodies just start to fall apart. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, though, from the get-go. What, what a fall for Kevin Durant from trade me, fire the coach, to all that, to <laughs> LOL, JK, I'm here to play. Uh, unbelievable. Sam, we will see you on Friday night. Have a good trip here. We appreciate the spot. I can't wait, man. I'll see you soon. There he is, Sam Peniatovich. A little doubt in his voice. He thinks I'm going to no-show him. Uh, one question, though. I do have other friends in town from out of town. Uh, dinner Friday night. Traditional credit card roulette. I've never lost in 14 tries. Knock on for Micah. I do not want the streak to go down. If I have to drop like eight, nine hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, do I show up to see Sam? 